Good to see everyone tonight. Let's get us a songbook. Turn over to page number 572. You have to work tonight. You have to pick up a book. Turn over to page 572. He keeps me singing. There's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still, in all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every second now. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every singing as I go. Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Well, how are you doing? Fine, sir. You had a good week so far. So far, got dressed at 4 30, ready to get here. Sit down, had to finish up the rest of the things that passed in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, I got a deal and out of the door in six minutes. Well, they got that, that turbo tax thing out. Yeah, I take my last now. Soon he's coming back to welcome me far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every singing as I go. Let's remain standing word of prayer. Larry Johnson, if you would, lead us in prayer, please. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Turn over a few pages back to page 561. Since Jesus came into my heart.
What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have lied in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy are my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart and I'm happy so happy as onward I go since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy are my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Thank you, you may be seated. Amen. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive their offering and our offering, and as they do so, let me encourage you now to be praying about our chest of Joash offering. That's coming up the third Sunday in May. And for you that are new, uh, we take that biblical story how Joash built a chest and he asked the people of God to come by and put an offering in. And it was an offering for the repairing of the temple of the Lord. And we've been doing that for a number of years and so many wonderful projects we've been able to do as a result of it. But this year, I'm really excited about our project. This year, it is by far the biggest project that we have taken, and the needs will be much, much greater than any we've done in the past. But we'd like to get a good portion of that on the chest of Joash. As I have been mentioning, uh, we're going to be adding an addition on the front of the auditorium as well as some work out here on the side. What we're going to be doing on the side is going to be putting an awning out here. I said something, we called it a drive through and you know how Connie Seals is. She said, I'm going to drive through and say, give me a Coke and a short sermon. Amen. Whatever. I said, nope. Might get to Coke, but no short sermons. Amen. That's an oxymoron. But anyway, out here on the side, uh, we're going to have an awning. And, of course, they'll take this whole area over here, and they will build it up to where when you pull in here, you can come into either one of these buildings, and you'll be under the drive. be real nice. And the awning they'll put out here, the big cover-through drive-through, uh, will be built to uh, reflect the, uh, the way they'll redo the front. Now, what we're doing, this is not just a little thing we're putting up. We're going to do it first class. And they'll be extending the front of the auditorium, not the complete front, but coming out. Had a little picture on the screen there, and I noticed tonight's a little dark, so we'll get it uh, scanned back in and lighten it up a little bit where you can see it better. And Lord willing, Sunday I'll have a drawing out front for you to look as you come in. But uh, the design, we got architects, had architects out here today that are already working on it and getting everything together. But it completely changed the whole front of the building. And it'll double the size of the lobby that we have out there. We'll have restrooms on either side. And it is really going to be nice. And we're really excited about it. But all of this is going to run us around $120,000, which we think is good. And I'm excited about it. But it's just a real special addition. Now, what I need you to do and start praying about and thinking about is to pray about a very special gift on the Chasta Joash offering. And even now, if you want to write checks and uh, drop money in every week, say, I want this to go to the building fund or whatever like that, do so. We'll designate it for the building. But uh, I really believe the Lord's going to provide, and you've always been good about giving. But let's really obey this thing in prayer. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about having folks uh, not going through the altar when they need to go to the restroom when I'm preaching, all those kind of things. But it's just really going to look good out front. It's just going to change everything. You'll really like it. So uh, I hope that you're as excited about it as I am. Several folks have asked me through the years. They've come to me and said, Now, Brother Ken, I wish you'd add restrooms to the front of the building. We're going to do so at your request. And because you want it so bad, we're expecting you to really give. Say amen right there. 
If you don't give, we'll turn the water off. I'll remember that. We'll put the bathrooms up, but we'll turn the water off. But it's really going to be nice. It'll change everything. Along the side, all that's going to blend in with the front. and Everything's going to be uniform. It is really going to look good. But uh, the needs will be great, and uh, we're going to do it. And again, uh, we believe, I mean, it's possible if everybody gave and gave sacrificially on that Sunday, we could have all the money in one Sunday. But uh, our goal is to get a big portion of that, knock a big dent in that, and the rest of it. We're doing good as a church financially. We thank the Lord. We're so far ahead in goals this year. We started off with the goals the first of the year was to pay everything we had off, any debt, any kind of payment, anything we had. We wanted to eliminate all the debt for the year, and our goal in January was to do that, and we kind of, I anticipated, well, I really felt like it would be around August, maybe September, that we'd be able to eliminate all of our debt. We did that back at the first of March, and we have eliminated close to $5,000 a month in just debt and we just thank God for what he's doing and how he's blessing us and and the leaders that God has given us and whatever like that and so but you pray about it. are you excited about it say amen and looking forward to it so you really start praying about it. like I say you want to get in there and all that thousands and thousands of dollars in there uh, that you're drawing interest you're going to leave for Uncle Sam one day won't you reach in there and pull a big hunk out and put it invested in the work of God Amen. The only ones that said amen is one don't have any money. I, you ever notice that? I, you ever know the folks that have money, they never say amen. I've noticed that. The poorest people in the church say amen because they don't have any. But you pray about it. Give generously. Many of you can give a large gift, and we will certainly need it this year. But uh, it's really going to be a good addition to the church, not just in looks, but in... Uh, uh, use of the building and the functions of that building and, and our grounds and whatever. So, so let's pray. You give tonight everything you give and Wednesday nights goes to the Bible conference, so you give. Father, we thank you now for your love and your grace. Thank you for all the good things you're doing. Bless now. And I pray, Lord, as we enter in this building project, we thank you for how you've blessed us financially and what you're doing. But I ask you, Lord, that you will bless uh, this project, Lord, you supply every need. We believe, Lord, in doing things right for your honor and glory and how we do things and how we make things look. Lord, I really believe reflects how we feel about you and how we feel about the things of God and the property of God. So, Lord, we ask you to bless all the projects we have. But most of all, Holy Spirit of God, be upon us and anoint us in all that we do as we reach out to others. Bless the offering now in Jesus' name. Amen. I said amen while I go and got caught. <laughs> I told Sharon, I said, he hit the nail on the head that time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs>
few weeks ago, I was talking to our Sunday school class about the time that Jesus went to the mountain to pray and his disciples were out in the sea. He had told them to go over to the other side. You know how the storm come along? And being human beings, like they were, just like us, I imagine when those waves got the roughest and the winds got to blowing the hardest, they probably thought, oh, I guess Jesus has forgot all about us and he's, he's going up the mountain to pray. But you know, the whole time he was on that mountain praying, he, was, he had his eye on his disciples and he was praying for them. It reminds me of Hebrews 7.25 where it says, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. I asked my Sunday school class that day, if you knew for a fact that Jesus was out there in that vestibule on his knees praying for you, how would that make you feel? But you know what? He is praying for us right now. He's praying for me. He's praying for you. And no matter what we're going through, his eyes on us, his eyes on the sparrow, I know he watches me. And he cares for us. I want to sing this old song. Now, it's still good, though. Someone to care. When the world seems cold And your friends seem few There is someone who cares for you When you've tears in your eyes, your heart bleeds inside. There is someone who cares for you. Someone to care. Someone to share all your troubles like no other can do. He'll come down from the skies and brush the tears from your eyes. You're his child and he cares for you when the disappointments come and you feel so blue there is someone who cares for you and when you need a friend, a friend to the end, there is someone who's a friend to you. Someone to care someone to share all your troubles like no other can do he'll come down from the skies and brush the tears from your eyes you're his child and he cares for you. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. And I want us to think about a thought tonight that I am becoming more experienced in than I really want to. I want us to think tonight about fat Christians. Can I get an amen right there? Everybody's been talking about their meals and all the good meals they've been serving here on Wednesday night. Of course, during the meeting, talking about the good food you're getting. So I thought, well, I better balance this out and put this stuff in proportion. Amen? No, I want us to think about a thought that I think it'll be a blessing to you. Let's stand as we honor the reading of his word, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. 
Notice one verse of scripture, and then I'm going to have you to turn to Psalms and also the book of Proverbs. Sunday morning, I'm doing a series of messages that I'm calling Good Things from Proverbs. And I would encourage you to begin using the book of Proverbs as your daily devotional. I read certain portions from the Bible, and I have three or four different books that I am working my way through. I use as daily devotionals and different things like that. But I don't know of anything that I have uh, been as enriching to me as just reading a chapter a day from the book of Proverbs. But we'll be turning to Psalms and Proverbs and pointing out some verses in those two books. But Nehemiah 9, verse 25, the scripture said they took strong cities and a fat land. And they possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards and oliveyards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. You notice the latter part of verse 25. They were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Thank you. You may be seated. Tonight let's learn a little bit about Fat Christians. How many of you want to be fat? <laughs> I hope you chowered about one lady. She is a rather large lady. We're living today in political correctness. You have to be careful how you say things anymore, but I'll just say she was a more than normal large lady. And she got up and sung, He Lifted Me. Well, when she got through, the choir director got up and had everybody stand and sing. It took a miracle. Well, let's pray. Then we'll look in the scripture tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for the reading of your word. We thank you for the many wonderful truths in the Bible to be applied to our life day by day by day. Lord, I am interested as well as many in this room in the blessings that you have for us. We want to be a partaker. We want to be one that receives and experiences and enjoys what is rightfully ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. So teach us tonight from your word how to be blessed of you, how to prosper of you. I pray you'll open our hearts now to the word of God, for it is in Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake we ask these things. Amen. I was reading a few articles just the other day about obesity being heavy. And I read one article that said obesity is one of the most common medical complaints in the United States today. They said that about one-tenth to one-quarter of the U.S. population is overweight to some extent. And over $400 million a year is spent on reducing drugs and treatments, diets and things like that. By one form of measurements, Americans now, Americans now outnumber those, uh, those that are obese or heavy now outnumber those of normal weight, according to government stats that released in October of 1996. The National Health and the Nutrition Examination Survey conducted on 30,000 people between 19 and 91, measured 1991 and 1994, measured Americans' body mass index. And they found that many are above the suggested federal guidelines of 25. You see, in these days and times, you no longer have to say, I am heavy or I am fat or I am obese. You can simply just talk about your BMIs. In other words, a person's body mass index or, index or BMI, which is becoming a standard way of talking about obesity, is determined by dividing body weight in kilograms by height in meters squared, for example. A woman that is five foot four and weighs 145 pounds has a BMI of 25. A six foot tall man who weighs 185 pounds has a BMI of 25. So next time somebody asks you how much you weigh, just say, I have a BMI of 25, 26, 27. Let them figure it out. Say amen right there. But they found in the survey that 59% of American men and 49% of women have BMIs over 25. By that, they simply mean that most Americans are overweight. I read about the heaviest man in medical history. is a man by the name of John Brower Minnick 
of Bainbridge Island, Washington. He had been a beast since childhood. The six-foot-one former taxi driver weighed 392 pounds in 1963, 700 pounds in 1966, and 975 pounds in September of 1976. In March of 1978, Menick was rushed to the University Hospital in Seattle, saturated with fluid and suffering from heart and respiratory failure. And it took a dozen firemen and an improvised stretcher to move him from his home to a ferry boat. And when he arrived at the hospital, he was put in two beds that were lashed together, and it took 13 people just to roll him over. I ran across this I thought you would find interesting. It's about religious people and obesity. Sociologist Kenneth Ferraro of the Purdue University found an interesting stat about religious people. He found that religious people are fatter than those who aren't. Ferraro analyzed two national surveys, one including more than 3,600 people, and he found that the most religious states, Michigan, Mississippi, Indiana, and Delaware, are the heaviest, and Colorado, Hawaii, and Massachusetts, which has the least religious residents, was the thinnest. So he was saying that most Christians, I don't know what, what's, what the survey was about and what indication it may be, but more Christians are obese than those that are not. Now I realize tonight that most of you are not interested in gaining weight. The majority of you are a member of the slim, fast society. You are constantly battling your weight and you're trying to lose. But the Bible talks about fat Christians. Many times the Bible talks about fat believers. Physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 9, we read about the children of Israel, and there's a testimony there about when they went into the land of promise, and the Bible said they entered into a fat land. And the Bible said that while they were there, they did eat and were filled and became fat. That fatness that is described there is clarified with the following statement, they delighted themselves in God's great goodness. In other words, what God was saying about Israel was when they became fat is that they enjoyed and experienced the goodness and the blessings of God in an abundant way. You see the word fat that is used there and often used throughout the Bible is a word that when it's figuratively used, it speaks of being rich. It talks about an abundance of things. It talks about something that is plenteous. And when the Bible said they were brought into a fat land, it was meaning they were brought into a very, very rich land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. And when the Bible said they themselves became fat, it means that they enjoyed the blessings of God in the land. Now, when I understand being fat in that sense, then I say no slim fast, Jenny Craig, Weight Watcher Christianity for me. I want to experience all that God has for me. Can I get an amen there? And all of the blessings of God and everything that God wants to do for us. So the question tonight is, how do we become fat? Well, I want you to look in the Bible, and there are four occasions in the Bible when the Bible said that if we'll do something, we would be made fat. So I want you to turn, first of all, to Psalm 92. Psalm 92, I want you to notice verse 13 and 14. And the first thing that I want to point out is the attendance that brings fatness. We're talking about being spiritually fat. How do we become spiritually fat? How do we become a recipient of the blessings of God and find ourselves delighting in the great goodness of God? Well, first of all, there is an attendance that brings blessing. Look at Psalm 92, beginning in verse 13. The Bible said, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Now notice, they shall be fat and flourishing. Now you notice that again? He tells us that those that are planted in the house of the Lord would do, they would bring fruit in their old age, they would flourish in their life, and he said they would be fat and flourishing. In other words, those that are planted in the house of God will delight themselves in the great goodness of God. 
Those that delight themselves in the Lord and those who were planted in the house of God, they will experience the wonderful blessings of God. What is he talking about in Psalm 13? Well, may I suggest two things. For one thing, when I look at that statement, planted in the house of God, I think about a practice that is settled. You see the term planted there? The imagery is of a tree that is planted. And the image that one gets from this, someone planted in the house of the Lord, someone planted in the house of God, you get the idea that this, this is someone that is a faithful attendee of the house of God, that this is someone that is a regular attender of the house of God. You might say about this person that whenever the doors are open, you can count on them being there. They are planted in the house of God. Now, when you think about something that's planted, you think about something that's a firm fixture there, you might say. I imagine I get up in the morning and walk out in the yard and get to looking in the yard and know something strange in the yard and go and say, Sherry, well, where's my dogwood tree? Or what happened to my Japanese cherry tree? And she says, oh, I forgot to tell you, they went to the lake this weekend. Or they decided to get together and several of the trees in the neighborhood went back to the tree farm to visit their family. Say, no, no, no. When you talk about being planted, you're talking about something that is permanent. You're talking about someone that is faithful. You're talking about a regular attender of the house of God. I think about the matter of being blessed. Then God's word is to me that if I would plant myself in the house of God, I would be made fat. Are you listening to me tonight? You will never enjoy the best that God has for you when you rarely come to the house of God. If you just come on a Sunday morning, maybe miss on a Sunday night, or maybe come once, every while, uh, once in a while like that, you will never know the blessings of God. Because the promise of God that those that will be fat are those that are planted in the house of the Lord. It is a practice that is settled. This is someone that comes to church all the time. I ran across a little article, I may have shared it with you once before, but a little article entitled, Why Fire Trucks Are Red. And the article goes like this, Fire trucks have four wheels and eight firefighters, and four plus eight equals twelve. They're twelve inches in a foot. A foot is a ruler. Queen Elizabeth is a ruler, and the Queen Elizabeth is one of the largest ships on the sea. think this is wild. You ought to hear some people try and explain why they're not in church on Sunday. Can I get an amen right there? I'm talking about being planted. It's a practice that is settled. It is obvious he's talking about somebody that has settled this matter that when the Lord's day come, Lord's days come, days come, I am going to be in the house of God. They shall be fat that are playing in the house of God. But the text says something else to me. It's not only a practice that is settled, but I see in that statement a place that is strengthening. You see, it is planted. That means these rooted there, the roots go down in the ground. And I get this picture in my mind that this is somebody that is not only faithful to the services and somebody that comes to the house of God, but they are drawing from those services. Just like the roots of a tree reach down in the ground and draw the moisture and the nutrients out of that ground to sustain its life, we come to the house of God on Sunday morning that we might draw from those services to be sustained in our walk with Jesus Christ. As someone has said, you do not have to go to church to be a Christian, but you cannot be a good Christian and not go to the house of God. See, I need the people I meet at the house of God. I need the preaching I hear at the house of God. I need the power that I feel at the house of God. You see, when we come to church, it's like putting our roots down to draw from what goes on. Drawing from the music, drawing from the teaching, drawing from the preaching, drawing from it that which I need to keep me strong and to keep me healthy in the walk of God. Do you want to be fat? then there is an attendance that brings fatness. Plant yourself in the house of God. You ought to say, the Lord's day is God's day, and I will be in the house of God. No excuses, no exceptions. I will be in the house of God on the Lord's day. Let me give you a second one. Turn to Proverbs 11 and verse 25. You ought to like this one. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25. There is not only the attendance that brings fatness, but there's the munificence that brings fatness or the generosity that brings fatness. Look in Proverbs 11, verse 25. 
The Bible said in Proverbs eleven twenty five, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Look at that again. There is the liberal soul, and the Bible said that the liberal soul shall be made fat. Now, I'm going to be honest with you tonight. When it comes to liberals, I don't have a lot of room for them, whether it be politically or theologically. But this is one kind of liberal that I really want to be. I want to be this kind of liberal. What he's talking about is the matter of giving. The matter of being liberal in our giving talks about watering. He talks about scattering in the previous verse in verse 24. He talks about giving, talks about those withhold. And he's saying that the liberal soul shall be made fat. Suddenly most everybody gets conservative when you talk about the matter of giving. Amen? But here is a, here is a promise of God that if we are liberal, that we shall be made fat. Look at the text here. Look in verse 24. You see, first of all, he talks about those who give sparingly. He said in verse 24, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. You see that word withholding there, withholding? It is a word that means sparingly, or to res it talks about restrained giving. He describes those who give sparingly in verse 24. And he says to those that give sparingly that they'll not reap the blessings that comes with those who give plentifully. He talks about those who give sparingly. President Jimmy Carter once made the statement that when it comes to giving, some people will stop at nothing. Well, if you want to really be blessed of God, if you really want to be blessed of God, then you give in a very generous way. But there are those who give sparingly. I heard about one man in this particular church that opened the broom closet one day and he looked inside and he saw leaning in the closet five brand new brooms. He hit the ceiling. He went straight to the janitor. He won't know who authorized someone to buy five new brooms. He said, we don't need but one broom and there's no sense in buying five brooms when you only need one brooms. Oh, he was mad. He went to the treasurer and fussed about it. He fussed about it to the deacons. He eventually got to the pastor and fussed about it, buying five brooms when they only need one. Well, a few weeks later, the pastor and the treasurer, they were talking, and the pastor happened to bring, it, bring up the fellow being so upset. And he said, I don't understand why he got so upset. It's just brooms. And the treasurer looked at him and said, oh, I understand. How would you feel? If you saw everything you'd given the church in the past year tied up in five brooms, can I get an amen? <laughs> Notice what Proverbs said. It tells us that the restrained giving tendeth to poverty. In other words, when it comes to the blessings of God, you'll be as poor as Job's turkey if you, are a, if you give in a sparing way. In fact, he talks about withholding in that which is meat. You see the word meat there? That's a word that literally means to be right or upright. When it comes to this matter of giving, the Bible is very clear about our giving. I've said this before. The Bible says more about money than it does any other subject. Jesus taught more about money than he did heaven. He taught more about money than he did hell. Money, Jesus knew that if he got a man's pocketbook and if he got a man's heart, he'd have everything about it. But Jesus talked a lot about giving. And the Bible talks a lot about giving. It talks about how to give in a meat way, if you put it that way. Or how to give in a right way. The Bible tells us how to give. The Bible tells us when to give. The Bible tells us how much to give and what to give. The Bible talks about our giving that it starts at the level of 10%. That belongs to God. And when we give our 10% back, we're only giving back to God what is His. And a man who you come to grace in the New Testament, you do not begin to give till you give over and above that which belongs to God. If you really want to be fat, really want to be fat, or if you really want to be in a state of poverty when it comes to the blessings of God, then do not give what God tells you to give. Ron Ballou, in he, one of his surveys, found that the average American gives 1.7% of their income to charitable causes. And he found in the evangelical community that they give 2.5%. On an average of giving in this country, they give 2.5% of their income. Now, you can say that's giving. No, that's disobedience. 
That's spiritual robbery. I read somewhere an article that said that if every believer in the church of Jesus Christ was reduced to welfare state and then began to give 10% of that, that the offerings would triple in the church. What are we talking about? There is a right way to give. And many never learn the blessings of giving. He talks about those who give sparingly. They do not give right. They do not give the way God told them to give. If whatever, if you, listen, when you write your check out to give the work of God, you're not giving it to us, you're not giving it to Temple Baptist, you're giving it to God. And I would say this tonight, that if you can't give your money to this church, then you ought to go somewhere where you can give your money. Amen? Amen? Amen. But I'm talking about giving to God. You want to be obedient to God. And if you, when you write your check out, you ought to be able to give that which God told you to give and give unto Him. You make $500 a week and you drop in $25, you have given, but you haven't obeyed God. And poverty talks about cutting yourself off from the blessings of God when you withhold from God that which is right to give to the Lord. I can see how excited you are. You still with me now and say, Amen. But look at the flip side of what he says. There are not only those who give sparingly, but there are those who give plentifully. Look at verse 24. Again, he talks about there is that that scattereth and yet increaseth. See the word scattereth, it talks about the dispersing of seed. Verse 25 describes it as a liberal disbursement. And the liberal measure of giving has attached to it the promise that one will be made fat. Now listen, I, I'm glad I settled this giving part to God many, many years ago. And it is my joy to be able to give to God. I can say this and the Holy Ghost bear me witness tonight. When I write out my check on Sunday morning to give to God, it is a delight to give to God. And the percentage of my income that I give to God every week, it is a joy. It is not a burden. And I promise you one thing, I have reaped many blessings over my giving through the years. And those that will learn to be a liberal giver. I'm not just saying this tonight to raise money for new bathrooms. I'm talking about getting you where you can be blessed of God. Here's the promise of God. If we will plan ourselves in the house of God, we'll be fat. If we'll be liberal, we will be fat. If you give, God will give. And if you will water, God will water. And the way to be fat is by being a liberal. So every one of us, let's all learn how to be a liberal. Look also in Proverbs 13. Let me give you a third way to be fat tonight. I see a third thing in Proverbs 13, 4, not only the attendance that brings fatness and the munificence that brings fatness, but in Proverbs 13, 4, there is the diligence that brings fatness. The Bible said the soul in Proverbs 13, 4, of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Now God describes a diligent person. And he's compared to the sluggard, which would be a slothful person. He describes how the slothful, desire, the slothful desires the gains of the diligent person, but is not willing to accept the pains of the diligent person. But on the other hand, there's a diligent person, and he enjoys the great goodness of God. He's fat. Why? Because he's diligent. Now, what is he talking about when he talks about a diligent person? For one thing, he's talking about a dedicated person. When he talks about the diligent, he is talking about a working person. He's not talking about somebody that is lazy. He's not talking about somebody that is indolent. He's talking about somebody that is busy, someone that is involved, and someone that is dedicated to what they're doing. Somebody that has really said, look, this is what I ought to be doing, and I'm doing it for the glory of God. Now listen to me tonight. You want to be fat? Then one of the pathways of spiritual fatness is by becoming involved in God's work. What a shame that many believers never get involved. You're not just missing, it's not just that we miss out on the fact that you don't get involved. You're missing out by not getting involved. You're missing out on becoming fat. You're missing out on God blessing you. I read about one preacher that had a habit to ru of rushing to the railroad station every day just to watch the train pass by. And his members began to notice it. He's talking to the community. They said, every day the preacher, you see him running toward, through town, going up to the train station, watching the train go by. 
And his members began to take notice of it, and they thought it rather unusual. And finally, some of the men of the church went to the preacher, and they told him that he was embarrassing them in the community, and they asked him to quit. And he looked at him and says, No, gentlemen. He said, I preach your sermon. I preach you sermons. I teach your class. I urge everyone to attend. I bury your dead. I marry your young. I promote your charities. I lead every fund drive that you can think of. I visit members and encourage non-members. I listen to your complaints, and I will not give up the habit of seeing the train each day for you see it's the only thing that passes through this place that I don't have to push well getting involved everybody getting involved I know you've heard the story about the four fellows in the church by the name of Fred somebody Thomas everybody Pete anybody and Joe nobody nobody was the only decent one of the four nobody was very faithful nobody paid the Lord's tithe Nobody sang in the choir. Nobody took up the offering. Nobody did the visitation. In fact, everything that was needed in the church, nobody did it. Everybody thought somebody else would do it. For example, when the church needed a, when they needed a Sunday school teacher, some, everybody thought somebody would do it. And what happened was neither somebody, somebody wouldn't do it, so you know who finally did it. Nobody did it. I'm talking about working, the diligent soul, finding your place in the church, saying, I want to be more than someone that sits on a pew. I want to find my place in the work of God and do it. It is a dedicated person. But there's something else involved in this matter, and this is really hard of what he's talking about. It is a determined person. Not only a diligent person, but a determined person. For you see, this diligent person that he describes is not just somebody that is involved, but it's somebody that is very determined and perseveres in what they're doing. This is a person that will not back up. They will not back down. They will not back off. They do not know the meaning of quit. There is something they're going after. There is a need there. There is a task there. There is a goal there. And they will not stop. Nothing can deter them. Nothing can discourage them. They stay at it until they get it done or they get what they want. Now listen to me. One of the promises of God in the Bible is that God blesses those who persevere. God blesses those who are faithful. We have this ideal that anything God promises us, all we got to do is claim it, and presto, bang, there it is. I got good news for you. God doesn't deal with using Visa or MasterCard. You do not get God's blessings and then pay for it later. You pay for it and then you get it. And when you are faithful and you stay with it and you plug on and you plug in and plug on, somewhere this is the promise of God that the diligent soul shall be made fat. You know what he said in Galatians 6, 9? Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Here's God's promise. Are you listening to me? You keep on believing God. You keep on witnessing. You keep on praying. If there's a need in your life and you're believing God for the meeting of that need, you keep on believing. If there is somebody you're witnessing to and they don't seem to listen, don't seem to care, you keep on witnessing. And there's something you are praying about and it doesn't seem like God's going to answer. You keep on praying. Why? The diligent soul, God said, shall be made fat. I love the story of Columbus. And I think the historian, the, the revisionists of history have made, done a great injustice to Christopher Columbus. But Christopher Columbus said to this country, and you know the story how that he had so much trouble in trying to get someone to back his dreams and whatever, and finally got the ships that he needed to sell this country. But at that time, selling the seas was an uncertain matter, and there was all kinds of superstitions and whatever like that. And the, the crews was fearful of what they might find, where they may end up, or not getting back. And so the days began to pass, and the crew became somewhat anxious about sailing. They even talked to Columbus and tried to get him to turn around and go back, but he said, we're going to go on. They even threatened him with mutiny. And finally, Columbus told him, he said, let's sail three more days. And if we don't spot land in three more days, we'll turn around and go back. And they agreed to that. On the third day, they spotted the land they later christened San Salvador. 
This is what I love about the story. They said in the ship's log, Columbus wrote these words day after day after day after day. Today we sailed, still no land in sight, but we sailed on. And the next day, today we sailed, still no land in sight, but we sailed on day after day after day. What am I saying? You've been praying for this one, you've been praying for that one, no answer yet, but you pray on. You've been believing God for this and believing God for that, and it doesn't seem like nothing's gonna, nothing is going to happen. You keep on believing God. Believe on, pray on, work on, witness on, somewhere. They that are faithful and diligent and do not give up, in due season they shall reap. They shall be made fat. I'm talking about experiencing the great goodness of God by planting ourselves in the house of God, by giving, being generous and liberal in our giving, and by being faithful and persevering, being a diligent soul. Let me give you one more and I'm through. Look in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 25. There is not only the attendance that brings fatness and a beneficence that brings fatness and the diligence that brings fatness. But look in Proverbs 28, 25. There is the reliance that brings fatness. Proverbs 28, 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Are you listening? God said, they that trust in him, he'd make them fat. We're talking about experiencing the goodness of God, the great goodness of God as Nehemiah described it, becoming blessed of God in an abundant way. How do we become fat? By putting our trust in the Lord. What does it mean to put our trust in God? Two things. One, it is looking to the promises of God, looking to God's promises. When needs arise in our life, we don't panic, we look to the Word of God. When trials come in our life, we look to the promises of God. When problems come in our life, we look to the promises of God. One, we look to the promises of God. Two, we lean on the promises of God. I was thinking just the other day, and I thank God for those early years when we started out. And I've seen so many that start out so well and they have everything and somewhere through the years they fall by the wayside. I believe that the man that God really uses, God puts them through the school of adversity. And he knows how to whittle limbs off of them and teach them things they need to know. But I think about all the trials of those early years and I think about all the things we went through and all of our one purpose that was to teach us that we could trust God. And it was to teach us that the promises of God were true. I remember working my way through school. I remember I had a little thing on my desk that became like a little saying that's become attached to me through the years. I used it for so many years on the radio. And I got a thing uh, back a few months ago from uh, uh, Tabernacle Children's Home or the Norman there, Clyde Norman. He sent me and the kids down there had made a little plaque and had put the saying on it because Brother Norman had heard it years ago and used, heard me as I always closed the radio broadcast out. But I ran across that little saying when I was a student. And the little saying was, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you. I found that to be absolutely true. It, listen to me. You're looking at one. It doesn't scare me to trust God. It doesn't scare me to stamp out when I don't know, step out when I don't know how to do what I need to do, but yet I know it to be the will of God. It doesn't bother me. I've done found out through the years that you can believe God and His promises are true. I had so many stories. I hadn't told this story in a long time, and I I, so I want to hear it again, so I'm going to tell it to you. I hadn't heard it in a long time. But I remember when I took my first church, and I remember I... There, I was working a job here, going to school, pastoring the church and whatever, and, and they were giving me $75 a week. And so putting the two salaries together, the first time in our life, we were able to go out to Shoney's. And we were really living it up. But I remember I hadn't been in that church very long when God spoke to my heart one night. There was a missionary there by the name of Bobby Fell. And Brother Bobby was preaching from Malachi 3 on Prove Me Now, here was saith the Lord, and God really got a hold of my heart that night. I got in the car and we started home, and I looked at Sharon, and I said, the Lord, 
wants us to do something and she began to cry and she said he wants us to go full time I found when God speaks to my heart he always spoke to my mate's heart so I called my deacons together had three at the time we met over there on Saturday night I said gentlemen God wants me to go full time one of them looked at me and said brother Ken said uh, you're young and I wasn't but 18 19 years old at the time and I was young still young I'm up to 36 now but anyway but he said, Brother Ken, you got a wife and a baby to take care of. And you got the house that you rent. You got all these things. Brother Ken, are you sure you know what you're doing? And I said, Absolutely. Had no idea what I was doing, but I thought I did. Another said, Brother Ken, are you certain it's what you ought to do? I, I said, Yes. He said, I think you're making a mistake. And one little fella, his name was Arnold Little, he said, Brother Ken, I'm not sure it's the right thing to do, but I'll back you. And they did. I went full-time making $75 a week. I could spend the rest of the night here telling you how God proved himself faithful time and time and time and time again. Had a little old 71 Volkswagen, best car I ever had. The only thing wrong with the thing was that you had to wire your heaters, the little vents in the back of that thing shut in the summertime to keep from burning up and then wire them open in the wintertime just to keep your bottom of your feet warm. If you've ever had a Volkswagen, you know what I'm talking about. But praise God for Volkswagens when you're trying to live by faith. Back then, you could put $5 in that thing and drive two weeks. Now it costs you $5, mow your yard. I mean, it's, it's different. But I, I remember one night, we got ready to go to church. That, I was on empty. I drove to church that morning. It was alone. I knew I was right down there on the E-Mart. But we did the only thing we could do. And I know you sophisticated folks never done anything like this. We went through, listen, I went through every coat pocket I had. I went through Timmy's bank. He wasn't about six months old. I knew he wouldn't know anything about it. And so we went through his bank. We lifted the cushions on the couch. We looked under the couch. We went through everywhere. And God is my witness. I was able to come up. I think it was 64 cents, 32 cents, 64 cents. Just a handful of change. There was one station between the house we lived at in Lafayette and the church that I passed on East Reed Road. A little shoreway station right there on the left on Highway 27. I drove right by it. Sherry said, aren't you going to stop and get gas? I said, no, we're running late. She said, it's 30 minutes before church starts. The problem was I just could not bring myself to pull into the service station and ask for 64 cents and hand them all them pennies. She said, you're going to run out? I said, no, God will take care of us. And I said, just wait. God, he, he'll take care of us at church. And I told her, he, he, somebody, somebody will give us $5. Somebody will give us 10 God will take care of us. Listen, I shook hands with everybody in that church at least three times. And when service over, I still didn't have but 64 cents. I was the last one there. I watched the taillights of the last car go down East Reed Road. And my wife said, what are you going to do? I said, don't worry about it. I said, somebody will get down the end of the road and they'll have to come back. God will tell them to come back and whatever. I sat there 30 more minutes and didn't have but 64 cents. So we got in the car and prayed and said, God, would you get us to the gas station? And so we drove to the gas station. I pulled in the tanks there in that little old 71 Volkswagen. I rolled the window down. The fellow walked up. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't need much gas, uh, whatever, like, if you've got plenty of money, they say, what can I do for you? But if you broke, they say, fill it up. I pulled in there and he said, fill it up. I said, no, uh, give me 64 cents. I could see the kind of sheepish grin on his face and whatever. So he started pumping gas in our car. I laugh about it now, but I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't a laughing matter then. All we had to our name was that 64 cents. And all we had to our name was that my God would supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. All I'd ever tried to do was do the will of God. All I'd ever tried to do was obey God, not move until he told me to move, not go till he told me to go, do whatever he told me to do. That's all I'd ever tried to do. And here I was just trying to live by faith and obey God. But God is my witness. While he was pumping 64 cents in that little old Volkswagen, a car pulled up on the other side of the pumps. A fellow named Rob Waters, he got out and said, Hey, Brother Ken, how are you doing? I said, Fine. And he looked over at the fellow and said, that's my preacher. He said, I hadn't done anything for him in a while. He said, fill it up and I'll take care of it. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen to me. He that putteth his trust in God shall be made fat. You really want to be blessed of God? Then trust God. Look to the promises of God. Lean on the promises of God. And God will bless you for doing so. 
Let's all stand there and feet. Get your prayer sheet. I hope that many of you will become overweight. Oh, my. So I hope you just gain weight spiritually. You become spiritually fat. Amen? I want this church to be a fat church. Blessed of God. Experiencing the great goodness of God. Our missionary of the week is Al Norman Sly, serving the Lord with the military in Japan through Baptist International Missions. The Slyes have been doing a good job there for a number of years. Let's remember the Slyes. Our church of the week is Mount Vernon Baptist Church. We've often prayed for them, Brother Hugh Burdett, and we want to lift them up tonight in prayer. And then check your hospital list. We have several, a couple of our church members. Uh, Memorial Hospital, Quim Hudgens, she had some... Uh, work done yesterday on her heart. They, had, they went in today and did an arteriogram, and it's very possible that she's going to have to have open heart surgery. So we want to remember Quim. Also, Bobby Henson. Bob Henson, Brother Bob, pastor in this area for a number of time, years. This is his son, where it's Brother Gary, and uh, he had a heart attack or some heart trouble this week, but he's doing well. Kenneth Lone is back at Park Ridge Hospital. Gertrude Hubbard's still at Vincor downtown. And then several of our church family have those in the hospital. Eva DeBoard's daughter-in-law, Barbara Jones' nephew, Terry Jeffrey's brother-in-law, LeBron Brown, a visiting him this morning. Larray Eli will be having surgery tomorrow. April Childers will be having surgery tomorrow. So all of these uh, we want to be praying for. I want us to come here in just a moment. I want to challenge you uh, when it comes to being blessed. God said they became fat. That is, they were blessed abundantly. They were just blessed in a very, very plentiful way by God. As he said, they delighted themselves in the great goodness of God. That's a wonderful statement. And that's what we want, just by planting ourselves in the house of God, just by being diligent all we do, uh, being liberal in our giving, and by taking God at his word. God said he'll make us fat. I want us to be fat. I want this church to be fat. I want you to get a vision for what we can do. I, so many things have been done this year because of a vision already. But I want you to get a vision. I want you to get hungry to see God bless here. I want you to, to want to see the church grow. Everywhere you go, talk about the church. Invite people to come. Faith team's been going out. Others have been going out on a visitation. There's a lady here this past Sunday. Came Sunday school Sunday morning. It's here Sunday morning and Sunday night that, have, that my faith team visited on past Thursday night. And it works. You just get out there and go in. But everywhere you go, talk to people. Try to get them to come to church all the time, working to bring somebody. We want to grow, feel this place, and just keep on growing, reaching everybody we can. Amen? Getting all of our family. Just work and bring people to God. But let's pray for these things. As you come tonight, will you ask God to help you to become fat? Will you ask God to help you to be a fat Christian? And ask God to help you to obey his word. He tells you, here's the promise of God. That if we do these certain things, we will be fat. Now listen, is this Bible true? Is it true? Then if God said, if I do something that it would bring blessings to me, then you mark it down. If I do it, it'll bring blessings to me. God don't lie. He can't lie. It's not a matter that he won't lie. He can't lie. And he promised you that he would make you fat. May God make us fat. Let's all gather around the altar that will, and let's take these things, our missionaries, our church of the week. Let's pray for growth in the church. Pray for the salvation of souls. Let's pray that God keep adding to the church. Let's pray for the chest of Joash. Let's pray for the new addition and the goals we have for it over the next four or five months. All of these things, let's just lift these things up to God. Let's pray that God make us fat. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, your word is true. And Lord, you've given me certain promises in the word that if I'll do this, then you'll do this for me. If I'll plant myself in the house of God, draw from what you give me at the house of God, I'll be blessed. Lord, if I'll learn to give rightly, give, as the Scripture says, in a meat way, and not withhold that which is meat, but give rightly, that you'll make me fat. You'd bless me 
spiritually. Lord, that if I would just work and stay at it and keep believing and keep praying and keep witnessing, God, you said you'd bless me for it. And that if I would trust you, you said you'd bless me for it. You said you'd bless all of these dear folks here tonight if they would do it. So, Father, we believe you. So help us just to practice it and then get ready for the blessings of God. Father, we pray tonight for the Slys serving the Lord. In Japan, I pray you bless them and use them, bless their work there. I pray you'd open the heart of the Japanese folks of the gospel. Thank you for what you're doing there and for those that are coming to Christ and the great work of God's being done in that country. Continue to bless the missionaries that serve there and the different works. But especially tonight, we lift the Sly family up to you. Pray for Mount Vernon Baptist Church, Brother Hugh Burdett. Thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness to you. God, he has been faithful to you and served you and persevered. God, make him fat. Lord, I pray you bless him for his faithfulness and his diligence. Lord, I pray you bless the ministry there. Bless him and his wife, his children. Thank you for the testimony they have and the miracle that you did in their life and their little one. I pray you, God, just bless them. And Father, for our sick folk tonight, I pray you touch them. Those that may have to have surgery, those that are still grieving of the loss of a loved one, bless them. Father, all of these needs, we pray you'd move. Lord, bless the new addition and the building project that is coming up. Lord, you know every need and you know our motives, Lord, that it's to better your work and to better your buildings. So, Lord, provide for it. The need is greater than it's ever been before, but, Lord, we thank you for how you're providing and thank you, Lord, even in advance that you will provide. We believe, it's to be, we believe it to be your will. Therefore, we know we can trust you and claim the promises of God. So I pray you bless, Lord. Teach us all how to give and to give sacrificially to things like this, to the work of God. Take this church, Lord, and may the hand of God be upon it. Do something special for us, Lord. Use us. Let us grow, Lord. Lord, stir all of us that everywhere we go that we talk to folks about the Lord and we talk to folks and try to get them in church. Tomorrow night, give us a good number to go out and to go out and visit folks. Lord, give us a good number to go out and tell folk about the Lord. Lord, I pray you would move now. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for our gathering tonight. Make the Word of God meaningful in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.